everybody. I'm glad you're here tonight. I love the prayer time and midweek service for two reasons. Um, one, I know that God promises that uh, as long as we're right with him, he hears us. And aren't you grateful for answers of prayer? And second of all, I don't know about you, if you folks have noticed this, or maybe it's just me, um, even more recently, when I pray, I notice when I first start off in prayer, this auditorium is kind of sparse, but as soon as I'm done praying, it is filled with God's people. And uh, praise God so much for that. We're praying that God would get you here safely and this place would be filled. And man, I love it every single time I open my eyes. I am pleasantly surprised. Are you a happy people tonight? Oh man, that didn't sound like it. Are you a happy people tonight? I tell you, as, uh, um, as Pastor has been saying so, and really as I think about it, I, the more I go so in, it's interesting enough how so many people I meet out there that are without Christ are asking the same questions, but seeking in all the wrong places. And there's a great entryway because as I pull out that church track, say, hey, you're trying to look for happiness? Everybody's like, who isn't? Well, let me tell you a place I can guarantee because something very special is being, is being proclaimed there. And I tell them, of course, Heritage Baptist Church, and I usually often use that phrase when they don't have the time um, or they won't give them the time to give them the gospel, just because another inroad. And I, I, I really thank Brother Evangelist Dwight Smith for kind of giving me that creativity. And I think sometimes we have to get creative, don't we? Um, I still have yet to use his, do, are, are you good with directions kind of phrase, right? Do you know your way to heaven? I still have yet to use that phrase, but, um, you know, I'm just really looking forward to um, yeah, several opportunities um, this week. Well, this past Saturday, I had the opportunity to go swimming with one of our, um, our teenagers. And, man, I love going with our teenagers, especially those who are just really hungry for the Lord. And it just so happened this, this young man um, was so um, set on coming. He didn't have a ride, so he got himself an Uber to come to church. Got, I, I had the privilege opportunity to be his swimming partner. We went out, and we were knocking on this door. Um, we thought we were going to, man, we're knocking on the doors. And, of course, one thing about um, um, days where the sun is out and shining, people aren't home. And uh, we were starting to kind of get bogged down. I knocked on some doors. People answer it. Uh, but every time it was his turn, it seemed like nobody would answer. They didn't speak English or they just didn't say anything, closed the door in his face. And he asked me, Pastor, why don't you go ahead and try this? I said, why don't you go forward? It was, a, it was the last house on that side of the street. He knocked on the door and a lady answered <clears throat> said, hi, good morning. How are you? And um, I love her, re her response because it brightened our day. She had a shirt that also had to go along with it. And she says, she says, hi, how are you? And she said, blessed. And it was right there, big, bold letters. And she came on out and says, how are you today? She says, and she just came on out and says, I'm blessed because Jesus is my Savior. Heaven's my home. And I thought to myself, hey, that's exactly the message we're bringing. Friends, can I tell you this? There's a lot in this world. You don't have to go very long or do too many clicks on your smartphone or on the television to see. There's a lot of mess that's going on out there, right? But we have so much right here and within this word for which not only to be happy, but to be blessed and joyful for. Wouldn't you agree? Stand and take your Bibles with me. Psalms chapter number 81. I always appreciate the privilege and a great responsibility to stand behind this pulpit and preach. I know it's a great sacred trust our pastor um, places on every individual that stands behind this pulpit. This message tonight was born out of um, one of my devotions here. When pastor asked me a couple weeks ago to preach in his absence, I was praying to the Lord as I always do. Is Lord, what would you have me preach to your people? And of course, Holy Spirit always responds is, well, what needs fixing in your life? <laughs> Before we can help others, we got to first look at the man in the mirror, don't we? Or the woman in the mirror for you ladies. In Psalm chapter number 81, a very 
a very familiar psalm, at least to me it is, the psalm of Asaph. And here, it's one that the Lord just kind of knit my heart to. And I pray that the lessons I've learned will be helping, blessing and encouragement to you folks here along the way. Psalm chapter number 81, I'm going to read out loud um, the entire chapter. There's only 16 verses. If you follow along um, quietly with your eyes, and we'll get to the, this message tonight. Psalms 81, if you're there, say amen. amen. Sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm and bring hither the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon in the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. This he ordained in Joseph for a testimony. When he went out through the land of Egypt where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Thou callest in trouble and I delivered thee. I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. There shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. And they walked in their own counsels. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me. And Israel had walked in my ways. I should soon have subdued their enemies. And turned my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But their times should have endured forever. He should have fed them also with the finest of wheat. And with honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Father, tonight... Lord, this is probably my 50th time reading through this chapter. And yet, Lord, I can't help but sense that the great despair, as the psalmist, Lord, speaks on your behalf, being the mouthpiece of God to your people. And Lord, I stand before your people, my fellow brothers and sisters, fellow saints in the Lord here tonight, with a message that's first is spoken on for my, my needing. And I pray, Lord, that tonight, O Holy Spirit, as you anoint my lips and my thoughts, as Brother Irwin had just prayed a moment ago, so too, Father God, I pray that you would work in the hearts of every person that falls on the sound of my voice, whether it be here in this room or across the, the live stream TV screens on somebody's computer or television. God, I pray, Father God, that you would just set aside all distractions. Lord, as we come to the close of the school year, and, and Lord, for some, as we enter into our summer and others, Lord, as we have the commencement exercises, I pray, Father God, we'll take to heart the lessons that are to be had here within this text tonight. Bless it now for us in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. We read here in Psalm chapter number 81, a text where we see the psalmist had called the people together to worship the Lord. But then the Lord's messenger received a special message from God and delivered it to the people. The occasion was a stated feast on the Jewish calendar. We're not told exactly what feast it was in particular. In verses 5 through 7 and verse number 10, the Passover is suggested, but the mention of the new moon and the solemn feast day in verse 3 as well. Asaph may have conflated Passover and tabernacles, for they, in fact, go together. Passover celebrated the deliverance of, from Egypt, whilst the tabernacle, feast of tabernacles celebrated the Lord's care for his people during the wandering in the wilderness. 
Tabernacle was also a joyful harvest festival, and yet we have a very sobering message to remind the nation of Israel of their past failure, God's deliverance, and God's provision. No two words communicates a feeling of disappointment and regret like the words, if only, don't they? We probably formulated these words in our minds, and maybe even this week, if not today. If only I had left on time. If only there wasn't so much traffic. If only the kids would listen to me the first time. If only I wasn't so busy. If only she had listened to my warning, this wouldn't have happened. If only they cared enough for me, they'd understand. If only I had the time. If only, if only, if only. These can be some pretty haunting words, can't they? They seem to resonate within our deepest being, a failure on our part, and cast doubt in our pre-made plans and decisions. But if we're not careful, those words can also paralyze us. They can debilitate our future plans and derail our spiritual growth by placing fear at the forefront rather than the Lord. For George Brown, 68, a morning trail run in August of 2018 became more than 40 hours stranded in Montana's Bob Marshall wilderness with a broken leg. Three days earlier, he had embarked on a guided group horseback journey through the Montana backcountry. If you folks have been to Montana, oh man, it's beautiful. Big sky country, as they call it. But man, the moment you get to some of the wilderness areas, they have some canyons, some hills, some rolling hills. After his group pitched a camp in the morning, he decided to go on a solo trail run. It had been years since he had been in the backcountry, but he often trail ran near his home in Marin County here in California. He figured this would be just one small step above what he usually did here. He picked an eight-mile loop on another person's map and showed him his intended route so that he would know where he was headed. Then he packed a small bag with snacks and water and planned to be back by mid-afternoon. He departed under a clear sky, but after about one and a half miles, dark clouds had rolled in. Charred fallen trees from a wildfire were covering the trail. It disappeared under the debris and he lost track of it. He began to feel uneasy. Everything felt much more remote than anticipated. As he contemplated backtracking, it started to drizzle. So he crouched under a log to stay dry. When the rain let up 20 minutes later, he still couldn't find a trail. He knew it ultimately passed through the canyon below, and he was pretty sure that he could take a shortcut down the slope, through the canyon, and back to camp. He was so eager to feel at ease that he scampered down the hill without paying attention to his footing. He slipped on a slick, burnt log and careened into a tree trunk with tremendous pressure on his shin. Crack. He sat stunned, his legs splayed in front of him with a broken leg. George would spend the next two nights in the cold canyon with just running shorts, a t-shirt, his small little backpack that only had a few supplies and a little bit of water. And George's account is still used as a case study for many search and rescue teams today. It's around these circles you will hear the phrase very often, if only he had and fill in the blank. To be fair, much like George Brown, we are looking at the account here in Psalms 81 of the nation of Israel in hindsight. And isn't it true? Hindsight is always 2020. We get to look back at people's mistakes. And if we're not careful, friends, we can leave here only criticizing without lessons to be had in our own lives. Tonight, I want to look at three key lessons to learn from this account. First and foremost, and you jump down with me in verse number six, 
I want to see, first of all, the review of God's deliverance. Here, the psalmist um, writes here that how in verse number five, this he ordained in Joseph for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not. I removed his shoulder from the burden. His hands were delivered from the pots. Oh, friends, God's deliverance is seen all the way back to the person of Joseph. And for many of us here, especially as you've gone through and you've, our pastors preached many a time on the life of Joseph, we see here he was a type of Christ and he pictures for you and I uh, uh, um, not only patience in our hard times, but faith in God when the, when the sky is darkest. You know, I find that taking time to review or reflect on past blessings keeps me mindful of these blessings, especially during hard times. Mindfulness leads to thankfulness. Let me say it again. Mindfulness leads to thankfulness. Years ago, I'm so grateful, this godly woman, also known as in my life as mom, told me, AJ, you should keep a blessing journal or some kind of, you know, a blessing file cabinet of some sort. I'm like, well, why is that? She's because, and mind you, I was probably eight or nine years old at the time. I'm like, why is that, mom? Everything in this life is just, as you know, as a child, right, we live in the moment and nothing more. The future is like, Oh, that's when I'm like 12 years old. Okay, Mom, it's, it, that's a long ways away. She says, no, A.G., you'll, you'll, be, you'll be blessed to know that when you keep a blessing book, you'll be able to look back on some of the hardest times, and they will come. They will come. You'll be able to look back at all of God's fingerprints in the lives of many people with whom you serve or to whom you serve. You know, I wish I would have paid attention a lot sooner. But guys, there's been several times since I've been up here in 2007, I've had my share of trials. My family has suffered through them as well, mostly, especially that of my wife. And I'll tell you this, friends, both she and I, on the times where we're completely exasperated, uh, probably at the end of a Friday night, I'm coming home, it's about 11.30, 11.45 at night. We hold hands and we just kind of, we'll take some time to think back on the blessings of the God. Friends, can I tell you this? We need to take some time to review God's deliverance in our life. Notice here for the children of Israel, letter A, he rescued them. Speaking of his children, the Israelites. You know, just as George Brown was so grateful to the search and rescue team that found him and transported him back to camp on horseback, it seems that the peril of death tends to put things into perspective, doesn't it? It shows us just how ephemeral or brief life really is. James 4 reminds us here that our life is even as a vapor that soon appears for a little while and soon vanisheth away. We ask a rhetorical question, for what is your life, he says. Being rescued also helps us to reprioritize our lives. We learn that we care, we, we care to love people, that we are to, we are to love people and use things and not vice versa. Too often, as I see so many times, as families, and as, as it were, as I talked to other people, I was knocked on a, a family's door where the husband was um, playing some kind of sh first-person shooter game, and uh, their eight-year-old son is kind of watching, and, and I'm talking to the mother there, and she says, hey, calls this, the husband by name, will you come on and help me? Would you talk to um, your son? Your son is watching this violent things. His simple response was, woman, it's my day off, leave me alone. Oh, friends, can I tell you this? As she begins to recount to me the hard life that she had to, that she had before coming from India, going over to Canada, and migrating down here to America. I tell you this, friends, oftentimes we forget 
the pains of our past, don't we? We get so comfortable with the conveniences that we have today. The children of Israel had to be reminded just how bad it was to be a slave in Egypt. It was not only inhumane, but outright demoralizing. To be treated as less than human, told when to eat, to sleep, to work, and even die, removed all hope and any thought of freedom. Can you imagine how it would have been to have been born into slavery? Not having any concept of freedom, seeing Pharaoh as the only divine being and the taskmasters as their minions to do his bidding? Sure, your parents, if you were as their Israelite there, if they weren't already broken physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, they probably would have spoken about Jehovah in passing, would have given him thanks during the, what meager portions of a meal, if you can even call it that, once, if, once a day, if not once a week. They would all one day send, say, they'd mention in passing, hey, one day Yahweh's going to send a deliverer. But surely it was nothing more than a fairy tale. They were literally grasping at straws for a glimmer of hope. 100 years, a century passes, two, three, 450 years. Children that were born and died in slavery. Let me ask you this, friends. Have we forgotten God's rescue of our souls? The psalmist David said in Psalm 51 verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Oftentimes, friends, I think it would be a good, a good practice for you and I to read through the passions of the Christ in the Gospels. To look back at our lives, some of us probably harder than others, to be reminded that God's salvation, His rescue was once and for all. And Jesus Christ, though it may be free to us, Jesus Christ paid for it with his blood and by his death and resurrection. Well, tonight, friends, we see his rescue. But notice, not only did he rescue them, and let her be, I see that he, in verse number seven, he replied to them. He says, thou callest in trouble, and I deliver thee. I answer thee in the secret place of thunder. I prove thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Have you ever had to call 911? How about trying to call 911 when the system's overloaded? I don't think any of us have really, until you've had that experience, you'll know what true panic really is. Not necessarily for yourself, but maybe when it's a loved one who needs their emergency medical services. After the onslaught of Hurricane Maria over the island of Puerto Rico, many residents reported having a sense of hopelessness. One man, Javier, reported how he and his wife Maria were expecting their firstborn the day Hurricane Maria hit. He recalled how the great pressure from the hurricane caused his house to implode. The roof caved in upon he and his wife, who was nearly full term with her, their firstborn child. They were on a hillside and with the nearest neighbor several yards away and most certainly unable to hear his cries amidst the treacherous gale winds. After freeing himself from the debris, he had to get his wife on the other side of the house. But the heavy trusses were too much for him to lift, so he picked up the phone and called 911, only to receive no reply from emergency services. He goes on to say this to a fellow, to a Red Cross worker. I didn't know what to do. My wife was trapped and I couldn't get to her. I called 911, but there was no reply. I felt helpless and without hope. Have you been so helpless, friends? Nothing is more helpless than to call out for help, especially when it's just an earshot away and you get no reply. Such is the life of a, of a powerless, prayerless Christian, friend. 
Can I tell you this, however? I'm grateful that God's word still tells me in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, what does it say? And I will answer thee. And he didn't stop there. He says, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh, friends, the answer is there. And often we find that God sends the answer before we even make requests. When's the last time you sought for God's reply in your life? I mean, you diligently, you got in that secret place, in that quiet place, and, in that, and you're on your knees or probably in, that, in that pl the place where you found prayer. And you came before God's throne of grace, you sought for God's reply. Because you heard tonight there's people like Jamin Chan who needs to hear from fellow Christians. Who needs the finger of God to be moved in his life. Oh, friends, can I tell you this? God replied to them. And for fellow Christians, he can do so with us as well. But notice there that reply, his rescue, his reply. Notice it's also followed by a required requirement. He required of them. Just as doctors require you to get better, or EMS require you to get out so you can get out safely. So God here has a remedy for you. And this remedy requires you to heed and obey First and foremost, we see in verse number 8, he says, Hear, O my people. Can you hear the Lord beckoning his people? He says, Hear, O my people, and I will testify unto thee. O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. The word hear is to listen, and hearken means to obey. For the Jew, it was one and the same. When it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It wasn't say, hey, our audible sound waves coming into your ear canal. No, it says here, this is God's command, and you have about one or two choices, obey or disobey. And notice here, it required of them to listen, to hearken. But in verse 9, we see very clear prohibition. He says this, there shall no strange God be in thee. Neither shall they worship any strange God. You know, I find today, especially in my soul and endeavors, we are a people who really haven't changed much, but we're very good at redefining terms, aren't we? Ha! People says here, well, you know what? I'm spiritual. I'm in church right now. Oh, you know what? I have a relationship with God. He's one of the many icons that's on my... And friends, we've redefined... I've had people here many, many times and they're hanging a very colorful flag outside their house. And as I'm approaching, I've had more than once people come up to me, stop, I'm going to stop you right there. I see your pamphlets. If you're from a church, we want nothing to do. We want nothing. We're not interested. And I don't know, Lord help me sometimes, but there have been times where I said, well, we're interested in you. And it's funny, Brother Bobby, they come out, they step outside the door like, oh, Really? And blatantly, they'll come out with their partner. Really? As if the flag wasn't already enough to kind of scare me off, so to speak. Can I tell you this, friends? We have, it's not that we are people here that are truly atheistic. We replace God with either social media, Hollywood, or ourselves. We, all of us worship something or someone. We just don't like the idea of being accountable to God Almighty. We'll, we'll take from him and we'll try to do our part, so to speak, and we'll put a, a band-aid over a gaping wound, if you will. But notice here, he, the Lord
The Lord says this because he knew Israel's proclivity to idolatry, but he also knew the bondage in idolatry. Friends, often the restraints that God, the requirements God gives of us, the prohibitions he gives to us, are much like the prohibitions given to somebody who goes to a rehab center. They know, they've experienced the pains and the loss. They've experienced the destitution. And he's saying, you don't have to experience it again. These walls were not to imprison you. They were there to protect you. But when we come, become so self-absorbed, our perception changes, doesn't it? Oh, you're keeping me away. You're holding me back. Well, we, friends, we see tonight, we see God's rescue. We see it was, we recall God's deliverance. Notice with me the results of disobedience in verses 10 through 12. He says this, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. Notice this sad statement. It says, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. In verse 12, he says this. Would you read that to me tonight? Ready, begin. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Doesn't that perfectly illustrate our generation today? Leave me alone. I'm good. Just leave me be and we're good. What's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. To each his own. So we, so, as one would put it. Notice here, friends, that we see the results of disobedience. Letter A, I see in verse number 12, God gave them up unto their own ways. Friends, can I make this statement as we, I delve into this tonight? Notice with me. Though God's grace may be endless, there is a limit to his mercy. Let me say it one more time. Though God's grace may be endless, Romans tells us here, where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Let me clarify these terms. Grace is not only God's unmerited favor, mercy is God withholding due judgment upon us. There's going to come a day, just like the, the great Hoover Dam is being held, friends, those flood, floodwaters, one day God's going to open the floodgates. And as it was for the children, um, children of Israel, as they passed through the great Red Sea, those walls known as the Red Sea for the Egyptians will one day close. There is going to be, an, there is an end to God's mercy. And friends, we'd be foolish to try and test them. In Psalms 106, verse 15, he says this, and he gave them their request. And the people say, that's all we want. God, just give us what we want. But notice he says there, but sent leanness into their soul. I fear that we here as believers here, especially in America, blessed with so many blessings. Can I say this, friends? We've demanded so much of God without requesting his presence. And he's finally given us our requests. And we exchange spiritual well-being for leanness to our souls. You know, you can get what you want, but it'll sting. In Romans chapter number 1, take your Bibles with me. The Romans chapter number 1, if you would, please. Romans chapter number 1. Paul writes to the church at Rome. He puts this clearly. I don't believe there's any other portion here that can speak of this issue about God giving God's mercies having a limit. 
He begins in verse number 23 down to verse number 27. In Romans 1, verse 23 says, And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Notice this, with, with man's corruption, God hears God's judgment. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own body between themselves. And then here it is once again, verse 25, who changed the truth of, of God into a lie and worshiped and served the crea creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, for this cause, God gave them up unto their vile or evil affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat we again the term sodomy from the city of sodom and gomorrah but do you realize friends there's actually not as many sodomites as we think as there were as i did in my study here what the problem and the issue about the the people of sodom and gomorrah really was is that they were so they were so indulged with perverse things that sodomy was not off the board for them. There was, there's other things I won't mention here for the sake of those present here who are minors. But friends, can I tell you this? When we come to, when, when a people, when a nation turns its back on God, you'll learn real quickly when the telltale signs is that they will reject that which is not only true, they'll change the truth of God into a lie, and get this, they will... They'll remove all discipline, all that which God withholds, and embrace that which is perverse, simply to defy. God gave them up to their own ways. Here in verse 12, he goes on to say this. So I gave them up unto their own hearts, lusts, and get this latter part, and they walked in their own counsels. Guess what else happened? They lost God's wisdom. They began to walk in their own counsels. Does not Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 remind us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and what? Lean not unto thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Proverbs 16, 2 reminds us, All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth his spirits. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 28, he says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, it's not that they did not know of God, they, chose, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. The Bible says this, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do, to do those things which are not convenient. I had somebody tell me um, several, several weeks ago, I think it was last month, matter of fact, they came across somebody here who was trying to push, who themselves was a transgender. I was trying to push, I mean, violently, with great hostility, literally using the terms, we will stamp out anybody who tries to get between us and our freedom. How is that to be so? Well, friends, I sincerely believe it's because they were given over to a reprobate mind. You can't reason with a reprobate. You can't reason with a fool. Our generation is a perfect reflection of this, isn't it? We become such a divided nation that we no longer see ourselves as part of God's wonderful creation. We're debating whether or not a fetus is in fact human life, while it's still considered double homicide if a person kills a pregnant woman. 
There was a day when it was frowned upon to hear a man hitting a woman, but now with the transgender movement, if a man who was born male and has all the benefits of physiology of a full-grown man after puberty says that he identifies as a woman, he's not only praised by the leftist media, but also given sanctioned rights to beat women to a coma as a registered female UFC fighter and gets paid for it and placed on the pedestal for the following generations to see our great movement towards universal acceptance and equality. Brethren, we've lost the wisdom of God and we've traded it for the foolishness of this world. And the only answer, by the way, is for God's people, not the world. Friends, can I tell you this? President Trump is not the answer. Getting more Republicans in the House is not the answer. The answer is found in 2 Chronicles 7:14, where the Bible says here, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways, then he, God, will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Therein lies the answer, friends. That's why we are called salt and light. We are to punch holes in the darkness. And we can't do so by standing on the sidelines. There's no such thing as an effective spectator in the race for the gospel. We see the review of God's deliverance, the results of disobedience. But notice, friends, in verse 13 and 16, I see here the regret over their decision. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me, and Israel had walked in my ways. He says, I should have soon subdued their enemies. And turn my hand against their adversaries. Notice with me first, the first regret I see, friends, is they would have been, they would have won their battles. When we read about Canaan land, contrary to some of the songs in our, our hymnals, it's not speaking of heaven. Canaan land is for the Christian a victorious Christian life. You folks listen to me tonight. The crossing of the Red Sea for the children of Israel is a picture for you and I of salvation. Only God could provide that. Notice here where it was. God only told the man of God, here, here, here it is. Just tell the people. He, he separated the waters and they, all they had to do was cross. But do you remember what body of water they had to cross before entering the promised land? What was it? Jordan. The river Jordan. Did God separate the waters the same way he did the Red Sea? No, what happened? Who had to go first and bearing what? The Ark of the Covenant with the priests. It was the people of God. God says here, I've, I've already tested you. Now will you surrender to me? The land is yours. Will you take me at my word? Friends, for us, the crossing of the Jordan is a picture here of a life of surrender. And when a life is surrendered and wholly given over to, to, to God, Charles Spurgeon said this, that a life that is wholly given and lived by the filling of the Holy Spirit, oh, what a formidable foe it is in the hands of a mighty God. I wonder what battles would be won, what marriages would be reconciled if we would only heed God's truth. Wonder what children could be brought back into the, our families. What souls, what relatives would come to say knowledge of Jesus Christ if, if God's people, his children, would only live out that which they say they believe. Now, I'm speaking of myself here, friends. I can tell you story after story of friends as a teenager growing up 
I wish, and my, some of these teenagers in YF can t- attest to this, I wish there were times, as Tony Ivara here, one of our left tackles, second string, I looked, I looked up to him, and I, we, we went back and forth. We went over to several videos as we, we were just kind of ingrained ourselves. Both he and I were second string at the time. I was middle linebacker, and I, was, I told him, hey, Tony, one of these days, I'm going to be starting linebacker. You watch it. I'm going to do my best. He said, hey, man, well, how about this? And the first time he suggested it, Sunday, at this time, come on over. I'll have breakfast ready. I'm like, ah, I, I can't. Oh, why not? Um, kind of busy. Busy with what? I'll be honest, I'm ashamed to tell you, friends, but I was ashamed to tell them my parents made me go to church. Season went after season, after about the second season together, we served After one of the days, we finally won our championship. Tony invited me with his brother to go off to the, the after game party. Of course, my parents, I already knew what their answer was, but being hard-headed and stubborn, I, I tried to ask anyhow. Before I even got the words out of my mouth, say, Mom, I know what you're going to say. She said, well, then don't ask it. Get in the car. We're going. Yes, ma'am. So I did so. Report went to school the next day. I'll never forget, my friend Tony. Didn't see him. We usually had math in, in our second hour, second period class. He wasn't there. Then we have him again. Um, we had fifth period together with our history. And he wasn't there. I called this house from a payphone. Yeah, teenagers, that's, I'll tell you what that is later. <laughs> it takes little quarters and the little physical tactile buttons you use. I called from a payphone after school. And when his mom answered, sobbing, when I asked for her son, I'll never forget. She was still trying to find some religious institution to do the funeral. They didn't go to church. And she asked me one of the most haunting questions, still haunting to this day. AJ, do you know anybody religious that could refer a religious person to do his funeral? I just dropped the phone, Brother Bobby, and I saw him like a baby. Here I was, a supposed Christian as a teenager, who cared more about football than my unsaved teammate. I could tell you what Tony is today. Because I never told him. And can I tell you, friends, it's one battle that forever haunted me. It's one soul that the devil snatched away because I wasn't at my post. Do you realize success and failure are on the same road? It's just that success is a little further down the road. But notice in verse 15, I see here, they could have gained believers. The haters of the Lord should have submitted themselves unto him. But the time should have endured forever. Oh, friends, who is it? Who is that ordinary co-worker we just can't seem to get away from fast enough or that family member and within our heart of hearts we know the answer is they need they need the lord they don't need to turn over a new leaf they don't need another stepping 13 step 
program. Who, what they need and who they need is Jesus Christ. They could have gained believers. Oh, what, what regrets lay within our lives, fellow Christians, that haunt us, that maybe from time to time keep us and steal our sleep away. Can I tell you this, friends? There is no softer pillow than that of a clear conscience. And we would do well to keep short accounts with God. But notice verse 16, I see he should have fed them also with the finest of the wheat and with honey on the rock should I have satisfied thee. I see they would have enjoyed the bounty. Some of you might know the name Charles Darby, a man who is known to start digging for gold. And when asked, hey, sir, what, what advice would you give to somebody else? The rest of the gold rush 49ers. Simply put, he said this, Never stop digging three inches from gold. Fellow Christian, can I tell you this? You might be going through some hard times, maybe very quietly and very lonely. And you're, as such, you've been enduring it for quite some time. And you're thinking, nobody else knows. Nobody could possibly understand. Can I tell you this, fellow Christian? Beware that mindset. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, talking about Jesus Christ, for we have an high priest who's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities and tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Friend, can I tell you this? I may not know, and I'm not going to try and patronize you to say I know how you feel, but Jesus really does. And as cliches that may seem to be, friends, it's no less true. Isaiah 53 says he's been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus knows our sorrows. He knows our pain. And talk about being rejected. He's been there. John 1.11 reminds us he came unto his own and his own received him not. But praise God, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Oh, friends, tonight, brethren, we've seen some important lessons tonight. And I hope and pray that we take to heart the lessons from this part of history, lest we doom ourselves to repeat it. We need to take time to review God's deliverance of your eternal soul. Take time of the, to recount the day you were saved, but also take warning to the results of disobedience. Can I tell you this, friends? Nobody falls into sin. They, they slowly backslide into it. It's just one day of not reading your Bible, one day of snipping at the wife, one day of just getting heated discussion with the, with the kids, one day of trying to put on a face before you, before you minister. And can I tell you, friends, that one day seems to become a conglomeration, an accumulation of many days. And then when we're out of church and we're, 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 we're in despair and discouraged and depressed and we're wondering what happened the two words come to mind, if only. You may desire to take your own path, but you can be rest assured that any path that is contrary to God's word and, his, to, and, um, and to the leadership here, we will, it will lead to regret over the decision. Determine tonight that you will be a Christian who will not look back at your life and say, if only I did, but rather, thank God I had. Don't be like George Brown or the Israelites a case study for future generations to study. As one uh, Dr. Weaver, the dean of men back when I was attending West Coast Baptist College stated, refused to be a future sermon illustration. And that stuck with me, friends. He said, I'll take, I'll take this any day, class. 
And there's this Christian manhood. He said this, I'll take a man with little skill and a great amount of character over any day with somebody who can type 90 plus words a minute. Any day. Today, character, just like chivalry, seems to be a convenient commodity, isn't it? It's good for the movies. But it so shouldn't be said of us as fellow Christians. Friends, can I tell you this? Integrity still matters to God. And the impact is resounding. If we're going to make an impact in the life of somebody here today, may it be said of us right now, Lord, I surrender, rather than looking back and saying, if only I had. 